Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have made us alive through your Son, Jesus Christ, that we might be a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation that are possessed by you. May we be ever mindful of the goodness of this, that our hearts would sing your praise day in and day out. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Please be seated. Have you ever seen an old, old rock wall? I was, I was driving in this morning, and I was kind of look and see if we have rock walls like this around here. And I, I don't think I've ever actually seen one of those rock walls that don't have any cement in them, like we did in New England. If you have a guy who knows how to build a rock wall really well, they can build it without cement, and it will last decades or centuries. And I've seen those back home. It takes sort of this balance of probably some sort of gifting that I certainly do not have, skill, and years and years of practice to learn that this rock can go here and that rock can go here, and then somehow it doesn't fall over. But sometimes when you're building this rock wall, I would assume they would come across a rock that is so oddly shaped that it simply cannot fit in that, that wall, and they toss it away. St. Peter picks up on this analogy this morning as he talks about this. He says that Christ is the rejected stone. The stone that was rejected by the builder of the wall that knows what he's doing, that has these skills, and he doesn't fit in because he would make the wall wobbly. The wise or the knowledgeable and the skilled and the worldly saw Christ and to this day see Christ and see him and think, he will make my life wobbly. I do not want him. And yet Christ is the chosen means of our salvation. It is through Christ that we are able to know the Lord and know that he is good. And then Peter affirms this. But that Christ is good, that Christ is our salvation, by reminding us that he is precious to the Lord. Think about that for a minute. If you think back on Genesis 1, the story of creation, right, goes along day one, this happens day two, this happens day three, and the animals are created. But then on day six, God creates humanity in his image and likeness. He creates humanity as the pinnacle to relate in a special way to creation and to him. Humanity was that pinnacle of creation, and yet humanity fell. Adam and Eve rebelled against God and sinned. But Christ is the pinnacle of humanity. Christ is precious to God. Christ was the one and perfect one who dwelt on earth and did that which we failed to do. Yes. <laughs> Let's hope that's a good thunder, not a bad thunder. And so it is in Christ that our lives are not wobbly. Though our lives may look, though 
though the choice to follow Christ may look wobbly to the world, they may see it as though it will shake up our lives in a way that is unacceptable. We know that he is our firm foundation. He is turning us into living stones, living stones that are just like him, that reflect his goodness and grace in the world. St. Peter goes on to say that Christ is creating in us a spiritual home. Have you ever looked closely at temples, ancient temples? They're, they're sort of going the way of the world and disappearing. And I think there's a reason for that. But there's some really definitive things about temples. They're almost always built on a hill. So they're that highest place in the area. They sort of try and capture your attention. Think about the Pantheon. I think that's a really good example that still stands today. It's up on a hill, and it kind of captures your attention right away. The temple in Jerusalem, of course, was also like this. And the temple in Jerusalem was quite different than all of the other temples in the world. Inside of all, well, not all of them, but most of them. Let's not say universal things. That's probably not totally universal. But inside of the temple in Jerusalem was nothing, which isn't true, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But inside of all the other temples, at least all the other temples in the area, there were images, images of their gods, images that they worshipped. But inside of that temple in Jerusalem was the presence of God, and that's why they veered it as so holy, and the only one who could enter that temple was the priests, the ones that were set aside for devotion and service to God. But now we don't have temples. We have churches, which are good and beautiful, and we'll get to that in just a second. But we are being built into a temple. We are being built into a living house, a house made of living stones. Each and every one of us are the walls and the foundation built upon the cornerstone of Christ. One of the things, yeah, and I think that that's a good thing, right? And we set aside this place. This place, the only thing that this little room is set aside for is the worship of God, right? So there is that element where we do still set aside places to do that. But that doesn't mean we can walk out the door, although we probably want to wait about an hour and hopefully it will stop raining by then. That doesn't mean we can walk out the door and be like, well, I punched my clock for the week, I did my hour, hour and a half, and I'm good to go. No, we worship God day in and day out, whether we're at home or at our work, whether we're out with friends for lunch. Our call is to be a temple for the Lord, a living temple made of living stones. We are also a holy priesthood. No longer do we need that priest to make that intercession for us. But you and I can come to God on our own. We can come to God through Christ. This is one of those great correctors of the, the Reformation, right? If you think back to the Reformation. It, we had sort of slipped as a church into thinking that we needed that priest to make an intercession for us. We'd fallen back into the Old Testament covenant where we needed somebody to make that intercession for us. And the Reformation said, no, we are all priests. Martin Luther called it the priesthood of all believers. That you and I can come to the Lord now 
through Christ. What a holy and noble task we have given. And what do we offer to Christ? We offer our whole lives. The prayer book puts it so eloquently when we come to the Lord's table that we offer ourselves, our souls, and our bodies as a living sacrifice. We offer ourselves in service to the Lord, not as a works of salvation, but as a reaction and a rejoicing to what Christ has done in us. Our work, our salvation, our offering of ourselves is made perfect not because we are perfect, but because we are in Christ. And it's no wonder people often find this so hard to comprehend. Humanity has, throughout all of history, wanted to build ourselves up to God. The Tower of Babel is a great example of that. They built themselves up, and God said, no, that's not how you get to me. But we get to God through Christ and through Christ alone. And the other part that's difficult is like the Tower of Babel, those things that we built that are totally worldly must be torn down, must be put aside so that we can dwell and have Christ remake us as living stones, stones that are part of his house. Peter goes on to reaffirm that Christ is actually the very cornerstone. Have you ever seen a cornerstone? They're, again, one of those things that have kind of gone the way of the world, but I think there's probably a couple downtown, and they're a little more symbolic than they are um, necessary as they were in the old days. But the cornerstone was built so that the rest of the building would get built off of that. And so I think that's right. <laughs> if somebody wants to close the door, I think that might not be a bad idea. Anyway, the cornerstone was built, and then, and then you know, in the turn of the century, the 19th the 20th century, you know, they would etch like, here is the corner of First Bank, blah, 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 laid on June 1st, 1899, or something like that. The cornerstone was that, that thing that needed to be perfectly flat. And so what Peter is trying to get at here is if, if the cornerstone isn't perfect, your building is going to be all wobbly. And so to the world, Christ looks all wobbly, and it's like, well, no, I don't want my building to be knocked over. But to us, we know that Christ is our firm foundation. Christ is our cornerstone, which cannot be moving, moved. Excuse me. And Christ, re, 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 or and Peter reminds us of the fact that the world sees Christ as this wobbly stone, this stone that is rejected. He says that it will cause people to stumble and that they are disobedient to the word, a disobedience that leads to death. He writes, as they were destined to do, and I think if we're not careful here, we can fall into that strange double predestination that some Calvinists, very fervent Calvinists, jump into. And I don't think that that's what Peter is saying. If you're marching towards that door, and you're walking along, and you don't turn around, eventually you're going to go out that door. So if you're marching in the way of the world, you're going to go the way of the world. That is your destiny. 
But if you're in Christ, Christ says, no, don't go out that door. Turn around and come to me. So if you turn around, you're no longer going out that door. And I think that that's what Peter is trying to say. And that's the, the obedience as well that Christ calls us to. Christ calls us to repentance. Christ calls us to dwell in him and in him alone. Don't trust in the rock wall that you built with worldly things. Trust in the work that Christ is doing in you. And this leads to four amazing things. You become part of a chosen race. You are a new person in Christ. You have a new identity. In a broad part of the Christian world, there's this debate going on as whether or not you should have adjectives to Christian, whether you should be a blank Christian. I don't think you should. I think those that have said, no, you are a Christian. Wherever you came from, whatever race you are, whatever political persuasions you are, whatever whatever you are, fill in your blank that you might want to make yourself into a blank Christian. You are a Christian. You are part of a new chosen race, a race that is being built up by Christ. Your identity is in Christ. You are a royal priesthood. This is fascinating, right? The whole idea of a royal priesthood. Not only are you part of the royal class, you are princes and princesses in the kingdom of heaven. You have the ability to go to God, which is the job of the priest in the Old Testament. You have the ability to come before him, and not as just, you know, Joe the plumber or whatever, but as his adopted child, who is now part of the kingdom of heaven, part of the royal class of the kingdom of heaven. That is just that exciting. And you are a holy nation. We are a holy nation. A people that is being made devoted to God. We are one. I don't know where America is with this for some reason, but I know like you move to a certain country and you're like, hey, I like it here, or I married some woman, and I'm going to stay here. And there are certain countries where... Once you move to that country, you have to give up your old citizenship. I don't know where we are with that. I don't know why I don't know that. And I should have looked it up. But as we join the nation of God, the kingdom of God, we're giving up all of those worldly afflictions. We're called to give them away. Because we are now part of a much, much, much greater kingdom. A kingdom that will last for all of eternity. And we are possessed by God. We have this goofy little dog. And, and I spend about as much time petting him as I do complaining him. I actually really like him. Um, which will be used against me the next time I pick on him. <laughs> but he's, he's an adorable little dog. And supposedly there are dogs out there that like taking a bath. He is not one of those dogs. In fact, he hears the water go on and he like charges into the bathroom if he can. It's the weirdest thing. And it's like, oh, great, you're in the bathroom and I'm trying to take a shower. That's 
really weird little friend. But the other night we had to give him a bath for various reasons. And I finally just kind of, he's, he's small, and so I can hold his chest, not too firmly, but just firmly enough that he knows that I'm there. And then as I did the soap, I just did the petting motion. And he was still scared, but he wasn't like trying to dart out of the bathtub. And I think he knew, all right, this is not fun. I hate baths, this is the worst, but I'm protected and I'm safe. That's what it is to be possessed by God. That's what it is to be held onto by God. Think about those scary things that we face in this world, those painful things that we face in the world. And then think about the fact that God has his hand firmly on your shoulder. You are his, and he is yours. What is our reaction to this? How beautiful and great a promise this is. What is your reaction to all this? St. Peter goes on and writes, that you may proclaim the excellence of him. Praise. We are called to praise. To praise God for all that he has done for us. He has made us stones that are alive. He has called us out of the darkness and into his great light. Praise him. For through his mercy, you are his. Praise him. My dear friends, Christ confounds the worldly. But, the, but through the Christian, he is our cornerstone. He has transformed us. If you are in Christ, is your heart being humble? Is your heart being led to praise? Are you ready to come before his throne by his grace and sing the most beautiful praise you can? In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Ghost.